Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sauce in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Liz Gunner and Laura Farrell, the, who are the hosts of the podcast, The Real Dietitians of New York City. Thanks for being here, guys. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi. So let's start with Laura. Where are you from? How old are you? What's your story? Yeah. So my name's Laura, as she said. Um, I'm 24 years old. Coming up on that 25 mark pretty soon. Um, nice. Not excited about that. But <laughs> I'm originally from upstate New York. So like Binghamton area, if anyone knows oh, where yeah. that is. Okay. Um, a lot colder. And I did my undergraduate at Cornell University, which is where I studied nutrition. Finished the program there. And then I moved to New York just about two years ago. And I did what's called the dietetic internship. So that's like a residency um if you can think of like how doctors do that mm -hmm. but not as exciting and you don't get paid um and then I finished that took my RD exam and now I work as a dietitian in private practice and I also work in a gym in Soho and just do like nutrition counseling oh fun yeah okay cool and Liz how about you um, yeah, so my name's Elizabeth or Liz Gunner. Um, and then, yeah, I went to Cornell University undergrad as well. And that's where me and Laura met because we were roommates. <laughs> like the meme. Is it a meme? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I went to Cornell University undergrad and then I'm doing my dietetic internship, which is what Laura did as well. So I'm basically her like a year, <laughs> a year behind. Um, and I'm doing that in New York City. Currently, I'm in my sports nutrition rotation, um, but yeah, you basically just rotate through all different aspects and like facilities of nutrition, and so I'll get my registered dietitian license in June. Yeah. Awesome. So how did you guys both get interested in like nutrition, nutrition and like, <clears throat> a dietitian? Yeah. So our, our stories are also very similar. So um, I was a athlete in high school. And so like I would get told by my coaches to like eat a banana for cramps and like I was I ran track so mm -hmm. we would like carb load before meets and stuff and then I also figure skated so like yeah it's, it's a just lot. a lightweight <laughs> sport yeah and so you kind of have to like be mindful of like what you're eating um, just to fuel appropriately so that's kind of how I got interested in it and then on top of that my mom was a vegetarian so mm -hmm. she was always like eating different like vegan vegetarian meals so I kind of got interested through her as well and then when I got to college in my intro bio course my professor was like oh my gosh you're like really good at like the nutrition for like plants and stuff he's like I think you should take an intro to nutrition course so I was like okay so I took an intro course and then that professor was an RD registered dietitian um, and then my advisor at the time was also a registered dietitian and they were like, oh, if you want to like explore this, like you can. So I worked at strong hospital for a while, just like volunteering and went to different facilities, like a yoga studio too, um, in Rochester. So yeah, that's kind of how I got interested. And then I was like, this is going to be my career. It's so, awesome. Yeah. And this is Laura again. I'm just saying that because sometimes our voices, yeah, your voices sound do same. sound really similar. Um, but yeah, so mine's kind of similar as well. I grew up playing sports, except I played lacrosse. So like a little bit different physical demand on the body. Um, but I also like grew up in a house where we ate like pot tarts for breakfast and like like it wasn't really quote unquote healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but in a way, I feel like that kind of shaped me to have a better relationship with food than I see some of my clients have. 
And like I said, so I just got interested in it because of lacrosse. And then later on in college, I was really into like going to the gym, that kind of stuff. Um, learned more about like supplements, what's good, what's bad. And obviously through class learned more about like how food is metabolized by the body. And now I kind of realize like since I've actually been working as a dietitian, I'm almost like less interested in the food part and more like the emotional. Yeah, definitely. So I am learning uh, and I kind of wish like I took more psychology classes because I think it would have helped me out. Um, but now I'm really passionate about like helping people like heal their relationship with food, but also nourish their bodies in ways that, you know, help them achieve like performance and fitness goals. I love that. So what is the difference between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist? Because <laughs> I yeah. never know. So there, it's actually a pretty big difference, but it's not really well known. Um, so nutritionists, technically, like anyone can call themselves that. But to become a dietitian, you kind of have to go through like the process that me and Liz explained. So you need a bachelor's degree in nutrition. Um, but when you're in your undergrad, you have to be in like a certain program. So okay. there's only a, like a certain amount of schools in each state. It's called like a DPD, like dietetics program. And all that really means it's just like extra coursework that you have to take um, besides like your basic like nutrition 101 and like all the bio and chem classes. You do like food science, you do um, even like so many different things like nutrient metabolism. You learn about like the business side of things. Um, And then once you complete that program, you apply to the dietetic internship. So and that's usually nine ten months and you have to complete a minimum of 1200 uh like practice hours for free so there's always that and then once you complete that you're eligible to sit for the rd exam got it um and then nutritionists they don't have to do really any of that and it kind of depends like state to state so in some states they have like what's called licensure where if you're going around giving like meal plans or saying like oh i could help someone with diabetes or whatever you can get fined and like in trouble for doing oh, wow. that we don't have that in new york um so it's not really regulated but if you're ever like in a hospital or an outpatient setting um or even like on a college campus they're not going to hire you unless you're a dietitian okay got it so i think it's really interesting the relationship between food and your relationship with food and mental health because obviously I mean people have eating disorders and those stem from an unhealthy relationship with food so I was wondering if you guys had ever experienced that on your own and if not or if so like how you guys managed to have a real healthy relationship with food and even while you were so closely monitoring and thinking about it because of your work do you want to go first Okay. So yeah, definitely. And it's kind of interesting because sometimes people get into the field of nutrition in like it, cause they have a disordered relationship with yeah. it. Cause like most people, if you're thinking that much about food, they're like, Oh, I should go like study this. And sometimes, um, it can almost like backfire because it makes you think about food even more. Yep. And thankfully how I was saying like growing up, uh, I never like lived in a house where anyone was on a diet. Like my mom never talked to me about my weight. Um, None of that stuff, but that's like where most things that I see with the clients that I work with now, that's where a lot of their issues stem from is things that like how we're taught to eat as children. Um, And like what I work with a lot of my clients is basically just unlearning a lot of like the food rules that they were taught over the years. And I think that if anyone wants to be a dietitian, you should have like a neutral 
relationship to food like I don't really view certain foods as like good or bad it's more like some have more nutrients but then like all foods kind of can have their place got it Mm -hmm. what about you Liz so similar to Laura I have a pretty similar view on food I don't view them as like good or bad um, but I think that they can nourish you in different ways so like a salad can nourish you or an ice cream can nourish you it just kind of depends on like what the circumstances and what you're looking to get nourished like is it going to be social like nourishment and like a mental nourishment or is it just preference and like taste um and I don't think that any food yeah is like good or bad um per se um and I kind of got into like the realm of nutrition and um labeling I guess foods is like good or bad in high school. So unlike Laura, like I kind of grew up thinking like that, like very black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because um, it's sort of a running joke with like my friends that aren't in nutrition. They're like, the more you learn about it, like the quote unquote worst like foods that you consume kind of. But it's only because you're he- like Laura said, like healing your relationship with food and kind of not looking at them as black and white because there is a big gray area yeah. and that's okay. Um, so yeah, so for me, I did have to unlearn some of those rules. Um, and especially being an athlete, like you're told and in figure skating, especially like you're told to eat this, like not that. And it's like I said, like a lightweight sport. So, um, we is a focus. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, yeah, I had to unlearn that and kind of appreciate and accept myself as I am. And I think through that healing process, it's really important when you're working with clients to be able to relate to them and tell them that it's totally normal and it's okay and you can relearn that that like negative kind of pattern um that like hyper awareness of like good and bad foods definitely I it's really interesting actually like I recently opened up on the podcast specifically about Mm -hmm. my own issues with food and like my own battle with an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and so when I came to New York like when I first moved here and everything was kind of all happening at once. I had yeah. to start seeing a dietitian, and it was like a totally new experience for me. I mean, just she was so knowledgeable and she was really helpful. But I do think there was that lack of like, r- like uh, relating, yeah, kind of. Definitely. And I mean, I know that there are so many things in my mind like blocking me from mm-hmm. being able to hear what she was trying to say. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the real emotional support and getting. Yeah, like that empathy factor for sure. Yeah. It plays a huge role. Yeah. So, like, like, what do you guys say to clients? And then, especially in New York, where everyone mm-hmm. is like so focused, it, like so on focused appearance. on appearance, exactly. And it's yeah. like just such a not real, you know, perception of it's like such a mm-hmm. unique perception of life. Yeah. But how would you speak to clients and like have that empathy? Um, like with a client with an eating disorder. Yeah, or, or just an unhealthy relationship with food of, or just thinking, you know, being too preoccupied on mm-hmm. it. Um, I think different practitioners have different approaches. So like Laura's approach, for example, might be focusing on that childhood like ingrainment of mm-hmm. good and bad foods. Um, or somebody might focus on kind of um, healing that relationship with food by what's called, um, what is that called with the, when you have to like eat food with them? Why can I not think of it? <laughs> um, it's basically like meal, like meal sharing. And that's like, it's more a thing that you do with like, if people are in like active eating disorder recovery and like, yeah. let's say they have a food that 
they haven't they're like scared to introduce and like they feel like they don't have control um oh meal support I'm sorry that's what it's called so basically like they would come in and bring I don't know like a chocolate milk or something and like you would have it with them together in kind of like a calm controlled environment and what it does is it kind of just helps them realize that okay even when you consume these foods like nothing happens to you um and just introducing like certain fear foods in a way but that's like again more active like eating disorder where if it's just like someone with like a disordered eating and there's a big difference between like eating disorder and disordered eating. Yeah. Um, my approach is yeah. Always just having them take a step back and realizing that like the only person you can compare yourself is to you. And like, just because you see someone on the keto diet or this or that, like, and it may look like they're thriving and like feeling great and looking good. You don't know what's going on in their head and like the deprivation that they're feeling. So I just always have people like, yeah, take a step back and realize that, if you choose to like hyper focus on food and obsess over those thoughts, like that's not serving you in the long run. Um, so I always focus on like the healthy behaviors that we can add in versus like they usually come in of like, what food should I take out? Yeah. Also like another thing is um, focusing on the why. So like, for example, like we talk about this a lot in intuitive eating. Um, if you have a certain food rule or a, um, I guess, desire to, for example, like lose weight or get a six pack or whatever it is, focusing on why that actually is, is really helpful. So being able to uncover like, oh, I want this because I don't know, I have this insecurity or I felt like this is a way for me to connect to my mom in my, in my childhood or whatever it is, but uncovering that because then you can work on that why. And instead of focusing on the food or like the aesthetic goal, you can focus on why you want that. And then healing that kind of mental aspect of um, those desires. Because oftentimes they aren't. It's not because you just want a six pack. It's yeah. because of a deep issue, like a rooted issue. For um, sure. It's so connected to the mind. It's yeah, like, definitely. I think that's something I came to realize when I was like approaching like my own issues was, okay, this is because of my anxiety and like Mm -hmm. a desire to control something. Yeah. And just coming to terms with that made Mm -hmm. me feel a little bit better about like what it actually was and Mm -hmm. what was driving it and not just like insecurity, but rather a need to control something where, when everything else is outside of my Uh, control. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. That's so common too, honestly. And eating disorders and disorderly eating is that need for control when their, their life feels out of control and chaotic. It's yeah. like the one thing that they can't control. Do you common. do you guys like find that specific t- like specifically New York and just metropolitan cities like mm-hmm. either the people you're working with or your clients like it's I I just think that we're in such a unique environment and so people you know coming in it may like I imagine sometimes seem like. Not that they're not that they're being dramatic, but like that their problem isn't as big as like some bigger problem. So how do you guys, I don't know, like take that in and just remain to be like subjective and not. But no, I think I know what you're kind of getting at. And it's like one, everyone that comes to see me has like some sort of yeah like dramatic event going on everyone here is a lot more stressed than, than the rest should. of they the need world. To be, but like yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's also, but it's like, sometimes things are like out of our control. Like I, even today I just had like 
five clients back to back and all of them were like complaining how they can't do something because they have an hour commute and then they don't want to go home and cook and do this and that and I mean obviously it, it helps like I live in New York City so I can definitely relate to them too but I think like the best thing to do when it looks or when like people come in and they're kind of like oh my god all these things are wrong in my life this and that is literally just giving them like one thing to focus on a week um Mm because sometimes people think with like fitness and nutrition that it's like black or white that you have to be meal prepping going to the gym five days a week um eating whatever like you're all vegetables and things like that all day and that's not what health is like that again just kind of goes back to like that control um so like everyone has to find something that works for them and like my job as a practitioner is just seeing like evaluating like their day-to-day their intake and then picking like one thing to focus on for the week you must have to relate or remain pretty like when I, I was for example I was interviewing this guy who collects subway stories and um in a way he's like really <laughs> oh, the, the th- um, subway therapy he was he's so cool but he I was like how do you not let this affect you and the same with like being a therapist or in your guys cases like a registered dietitian how do you not let that affect you emotionally like how do you separate yourself from that um it's honestly really hard and so this is my first year like actually working as a dietitian so I got my uh certificate it's not what it's called what am I thinking like my registration in June and then I like jumped right into counseling which is actually really uncommon like most people go work in like a hospital or do something else but not what I wanted to do um and and then I see like people break down and cry all the time Um, because like we said it's it's not about food it's about other stuff and like I remember like the first time it happened like in my head I'm like oh shit oh shit oh shit I was like don't show any like outward emotion and like now I just like expect it and it's like fine Um, and I think this is not something I do but it should be something I do is that like if you work in counseling or therapy you should have your own therapist yeah. and this is something that I, like me and Liz always talk about this um and I'm just trying to kind of find someone that like works and fits with me so I've been like looking around for different therapists because it's a lot of emotional it's toll. a lot to take in and like I need to put it out on someone else that has basically has no idea what I'm talking about because yeah. even like I go home you guys have seen me like after a long day at work and like in the beginning, like I would come home and like just shut my door and be like, okay, I need to just relax. But if I've had a, a bad day and our roommate, Anna too, like she works in mental health too. Like we all come home and we're like, I had this patient and like this and that. And like sometimes just talking with someone else about it helps, but I'm still learning. So I can't give you the perfect answer. <laughs> no, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, that's how I imagine, like I'm such an empathetic person. I feel like I just start crying with them and be like, I'm mm-hmm. so it's, it, it, that it sounds just really hard but I commend you guys for that yeah yeah and for that though sometimes like I it makes me this sounds weird but like it kind of makes me feel good because I'm like sometimes I see people have these breakthroughs that like I had this client she was like I was talking to her about like her relationship with food and how like basically telling her to like stop using a food tracker because it she was relying on like an external thing to tell her how much to eat when she should like listen to her body more. And she just like started crying and she was like, Oh, I've never like thought about it that way. I've never had anyone like tell me that. And so it can be rewarding, but it's just like, you just have to like take a step back and realize like, even if like I've had people be angry as well and like know that like, it's not about you. Definitely. So what inspired you guys to start a podcast and what is it about? I'll let you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's tough with the two mics, but it's my first double interview, so. Yeah, no, it's fine. 
Um, and just to go back to also what we were talking about, I think the two big things as a, like a practitioner that has to work with somebody um, or people that are pouring their emotions out to you is to have a good support system Definitely. and have people to talk to about it, whether that be like practitioners that are in your fields. Like thankfully, Laura and I have a ton of RD friends or RDs to be um, <laughs> friends or Anna, which, you know, she's a different type of practitioner, but. Yeah, yeah so definitely a having, mental health advocate. Yeah. Shout out Anna. Yeah, <laughs> love Anna. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the podcast, so um, The Real Dietitians of New York City, it's kind of a funny way of like how we thought of it. But so Laura just got her RD and um, I got these huge balloons that were like RD and we were like taking pictures or whatever. And I was like, that caption should be The Real Dietitians of Astoria because we live in Astoria, Queens. And then I don't know how it, ex it escalated somehow to New York City. And then I don't know. We we're like, OK, it's kind of like Beverly Hills, but not. <laughs> we just thought it was funny. So we're like, OK, this is like a kind of a funny name. And then um, Laura and I just feel like we have like good insight on nutrition and health. Um, not to say that like other people with podcasts don't. Um, but there are a lot of YouTubers and Instagram people that kind of just put out what they do mm -hmm. um, or can kind of be um, detrimental to people's like mental health and in particular like posting like pictures of their abs and saying like they do the ketogenic diet um and so I think having people that have gone through like rigorous undergraduate coursework and then a rigorous dietetic internship um and then sat for a board exam specifically in nutrition um is really helpful to the podcast world just yeah, because definitely it's like evidence-based advice it's honestly something I'm surprised I haven't seen something but like like this before because you know you go on Instagram and there's like eight billion people who have Instagram blogs like after they you know ha suffered with it not to put anyone down but like after they suffered with their own relationship with food and then it's like all cooking and power to them but I think that you can also sometimes get caught in that trap like if you are having a difficulty because you're just seeing like what they're eating, the quantities they're eating, what exercise they're doing, mm -hmm. all this. And then like you can just start the whole comparison game, which yeah. is never great where you guys studied the literal effects of this. And mm -hmm. for people who can't afford going to an actual nutritionist, you guys are kind of giving them a little bit of a taste of what it, no pun intended, what, yeah. <laughs> what, it's, of what it's like. Yeah, no, definitely. And that whole aspect of not being able to afford things definitely hits home for me in particular. So both of my roommates know that I struggle with like, um, getting insurance, like health insurance and getting things covered just because I've had like a weird story. My parents like left to Panama and then they like dropped our insurance in like 2014 and then Obamacare came into play. So then we had to get insurance. So we kind of have like this loophole insurance that like nobody accepts. So, um, yeah, going to see a practitioner, like I get a lot of my advice through like podcasts and like mm -hmm. blogs and just research articles, um, stuff like that. And so, yeah, having like sound advice for things that people are going through that's free, I think is really important. That's awesome. Sure. Yeah. Th that's so cool. So what are you like, because it's in its infancy, like what are you guys going to talk about and like, how do you see the episodes and what's it going to be like? Do you want to ask? Yeah. Um, so this will probably change as like we learn and grow but we wanted to focus um kind of like the beginning stages of it just on like me and her and like our journeys through nutrition and kind of like explain how I was explaining to you like what a dietitian actually is yeah um and like if anyone was listening and like feel like they needed help in a certain way like 
giving them that help there and also like uh we want to do a couple episodes on like advice for people who are like us so like how to become a dietitian like what is the schooling like because again a lot of people just don't understand and we have like a whole we're both very like type a yeah, me too. <laughs> um which is like a very dietitian thing too <laughs> and so we have like a whole list of like episodes and things that we want to do um and kind of just like i'm going based off of things that clients ask me a lot so like a lot of like dispelling like fad diets um i'm really into sports nutrition and performance so i'll probably like lead some episodes on that liz is into like holistic she's loves like her skincare and um like hormonal stuff and policy she kind of does it all Mm -hmm. so it'll be like pretty well-rounded and I guess just depending on like what guests and things like that want to come in the future we'll spin it whatever way that's so cool Mm -hmm. no that's actually I mean I feel like I want to learn more about that stuff so that's really really cool wait okay so what are when are your guys's birthdays Oh, mine is April 30th. Okay. 95. I don't know if you want that, but. Um, I'm a Cancer. Okay. <laughs> if that's what you're So asking. you're Taurus. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and mine's July 14th, 1996. Cool. Hit me with those gifts on that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a Virgo, which in case it wasn't obvious. Um, but what do you do for holistic nutrition? I'm interested in, yeah. in what that is. Like functional medicine stuff? or Yeah, is it yeah. more so like taking supplements yeah. that would like regulate your hormones and things like that as opposed to actual medication. So I'm a big proponent of food first. I actually just gave a presentation on this, but for sports nutrition, um, but supplement use like do's and don'ts. Um, and all the research really says that food should be the first source of supplementation, quote unquote. Yeah, for sure. Um, but if you do find yourself in a scenario where you're like not getting enough protein, then maybe BCAAs would be a good choice or, for athletes, like, um, you know, there can be protein powders that are better than others, um, labeling laws that are confusing. Um, but yeah, with supplementation for hormonal stuff and like just functional medicine and like well-being in general, um, sometimes, yeah, you do need a supplement. Like I supplement with vitamin D just because mm-hmm. we don't get it a lot here in New York City. Um, and then a multivitamin can never hurt really, but you never you don't really need it. Um, probiotics can be good for some people and not so good for others. It just depends on the person. Um, personally, digestive enzymes work really well for me, um, because I have just like different gut issues, um, that I experience due to actually anxiety. So it's, it's kind of funny how like the gut brain access and the gut and the brain work that could literally be a whole episode (laughs) talking about that. Um, but yeah, there are some supplements and, um, foods that you can eat to kind of promote that regularity um with your endocrine system and yeah your hormonal regulation yeah I think something that's really interesting that I learned when I was going through my own you know battle per se with like food and things like that was just how much it like how much food and what you were intaking affected your personality like I was so irritable Mm -hmm. and just would get angry all the time and like it also happened that I was at my lowest weight and so Mm before I could actually start taking medication, I, I started seeing a really great doctor. She was really adamant about like, okay, you got to get your weight up like to your base weight mm-hmm. and then you'll see like everything come into fruition and everything yeah. will start working. So I yeah. thought that was really, really cool. And like, I never really, it's so like obvious, but I never thought about it. Yeah, no, definitely. That makes sense. What are like some of the coolest things, like I'm such a nerd, like what are the coolest <laughs> things you've each found like with, nutrition and um what you've learned in college 
the coolest thing yeah or like mm. most thing you'd like least expect that you uh, learned for me I think it's definitely the gut microbiome and like that gut brain access I think is just so fascinating what um, is that exactly so basically the gut brain access is um it goes through your vagus nerve from your brain to your intestine and it's just a communication path pathway so your brain might be um sending uh what are those neuro neurotransmitters and like different hormones and messengers to your gut um and then your gut kind of sends it back so there's different hormones like ghrelin and um, leptin that kind of control hunger um and cravings or um gut issues so yeah so i think that 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 whole aspect and it's it's still being researched it's kind of in in it's like baby like infancy stages still um but there's definitely been a a huge progress with gut brain research um and so yeah i I find that really fascinating yeah it's so cool so for me um and this wasn't actually something i learned at all in undergrad but when i was in my dietetic internship i had this rotation in private practice with this dietitian who uses this principle called intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it's just like a set of 10 principles written by these dietitians like back in the 90s, but it's gaining a lot of popularity now. And all it is is kind of like an anti-diet movement. So like moving away from like fad dieting and like restrictions on foods and kind of just putting like nutrition counseling in a new light because sometimes people think, okay, you only go to a dietitian to like lose weight. Um, that's not at all what's true. So um it's all based on a book called intuitive eating and like kind of when I read that my mind and everything just like opened up to a lot of like uh things that like basically that I thought me prescribing like weight loss and things that I was saying to like make people healthier quote-unquote I was actually like being harmful um so there's a lot of like podcasts and books around that topic so I can like send that to you if it's something that you're interested in but basically um just kind of like shifting my mindset that it's almost less about the food and more about the behaviors and mindset around it. Yeah. That's awesome. It's funny because mm-hmm. I feel like that phrase is thrown out or thrown around a lot, like mm-hmm. intuitive eating, but I didn't realize it came from a book. I thought it was just like eating what you want, but I guess that is what it is. <laughs> I mean, or it kind of is what it is, but there's like 10 principles to it. So, got it. um, and each of them kind of like has their own, uh, it's basically like just people are kind of exploring like their relationship with food and like throwing out their mentality around like dieting. Um, and like how I was saying before, like listening to your body to tell you like when to eat and like when to stop when you're full and things like that versus relying on like trackers and like weight and numbers and things that are kind of like arbitrary and change every day. Yeah. And the accuracy. So definitely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I usually end by asking these series of questions, but and uh, this is kind of cool that I got to ask both of you guys because yeah. they're unrelated to. <laughs> oh, I need really need a way to transition into this because I can never can get it right. But anyway, <laughs> starting <laughs> starting with you, Laura. <laughs> yeah. What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Sorry, we're going real deep right now. Okay. <laughs> One thing that's happened to me that's made me a stronger person. So I grew up, um, and Liz knows this, I definitely have, like, some control issues. Like, I always want to make sure that everything is in order. And I think that kind of just stems from, like, um, me growing up as a child, dealing with, like, a lot of my family's, like, medical history. I have, like, some alcohol abuse things that have happened in my family. And 
it's kind of just grown and like made me stronger and learn that like I can pick up and kind of move like when I moved to New York City I knew like some people but like moved in with random people I didn't know kind of just started my life over so knowing that like growing up as a child um like helping my parents get through stuff just made me a stronger person as well too definitely um, for me, I think it's kind of breaking the mold of the small town that I grew up in um, because I was told a lot of things that if I would have listened to, I wouldn't be where I am today. So an example for that is um, when I was in high school, I was a good student, but I wasn't like straight A's or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was applying to colleges and my counselor actually told me that I'm not right for college and that I should just not go to college and um, just travel the the Um, world for a year and figure out what I want to do because I had came to her and I was like I don't know what I want to do and looking retrospectively like I graduated with like 200 people and there was one guidance counselor so she was probably just weeding people out that really didn't know what they wanted it's kind of a waste of not really a waste of her time but if people know what they want and come in to her her knowing easier it's so much easier so when there's people like me that are like I don't know what I want um you know, she would have to spend more time with me. So retrospectively, I look back and I'm like, okay, she probably didn't mean for that to be so harmful, but it hurt a lot. Yeah, And, um, I had thought, you know, maybe she's right. Um, and then when I transferred into the Ivy league university Cornell, um, I think it was a good step, um, in the right direction of just breaking that mold, that small town mold that you have to stay in the small town for the rest of your life and kind of think similarly and not be very different. So for me, I think that's um, definitely the, my biggest growing point as I get older is just being un- unapologetically myself and living for what I believe and what I think is right. I love that. Yeah. I mean, at 18, no one knows what they like. No right. one actually knows what they want to do. Yeah. That's so. So, I mean, they need to hire more, more counselors. <laughs> I should email them. Yeah. yeah. They should listen to this. <laughs> do you believe everything happens for a reason? I do. Yeah. Definitely. I think everything in my life, I'm so, so thankful for. Um, and even the things that I, I, and I talk with Anna about this all the time, like her injury, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, things that you think are like the worst thing ever can actually turn out to be the best thing. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. What about you, Laura? Yeah. So I definitely agree as well. Like everything happens for a reason. And I always think about this in terms of like, my relationships so I've been in like some real awful relationships but um and like in the time being like it's like okay I feel like I had like wasted years of my life with people but now it's like from that I learned okay what kind of things can I see as like red flags in people or like make sure that I don't put myself in certain situations again because if everything was all happy and amazing my whole life then like what would I have really learned yeah definitely so again just going through and it's like I always look back and I'm like oh like you were able to get through that like you can get through whatever other thing kind of comes my way yeah so. and you know what you want and don't want in a future relationship yeah exactly what are y'all's current relationship statuses now yeah <laughs> so speaking of that yeah I um have a boyfriend since we met like a year ago actually and like kind of the reason I was saying what I was saying before is like it's the first relationship I've had that's like stable and normal and not crazy um and that's kind rare of for New York <laughs> oh yeah like super rare and I even I ran New York is also crazy because I ran into like my terror of an ex on like the street in Soho so I was like okay like still can't get away but <laughs> everything is happening yeah I ran yeah. <laughs> I ran into my ex like 
with my current boyfriend, it was like the best thing ever. I was like, <laughs> I know I'm loving this alone. so much. <laughs> And I almost like fell down the subway after because I was like so shocked. shocked. It was so surreal. I was like, "Oh hi, this is my boyfriend Jack," and I was like, "Oh my so, like, god!" I had to like hold it like really low key, and then like my boyfriend had no idea what was happening. And then later that day, I was like, went to my therapist. I was like, "Guess what?" <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome. How about you? <laughs> so I'm currently single. Um, I've been slide single. into the DMs. Yes, <laughs> actually don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but yes, I'm currently single and, um, I think I've been single for like a year and a half now or something. Um, and yeah, my last boyfriend, we broke up on pretty mutual terms and yeah, it's just kind of neutral with that. So that's cool. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Okay. Then back to my deep questions. Um, if a crystal ball could tell you anything about yourself, your life, the future or anything else, what would you most want to know? Do you know? I would not want it to know anything, honestly, because like I said, with like, I have like control issues and I'm trying to like let go of that. Yeah. Knowing that it'd be like so much anxiety. Knowing that I'm like, I don't know. And then I would just be like, it would really be hard for me to focus on like my present. And I already struggle with that, like being like happy and present. So knowing anything else about the future is definitely not something that I need or want. I agree. So I'm tempted to say... (laughs) (laughs) I am tempted to say um, seeing the future and seeing if I like am successful in all the things that I want to be successful in. But one of my mantras is enjoy the journey. So I think that and I hear this from so many successful people that I talk to is like looking when they look back, they wish that they would have really like taken it day by day and enjoyed the journey of getting to that point. So I I would want to see, but I think I wouldn't because... I want to enjoy my journey too. So that was literally my next question was, do you have a mantra you live by or a favorite quote? So is yours? I was, I have, I put up mantras in our apartment like weekly, but yeah, that's one of them. That's one of them. My, yeah, sometimes my mantra can be too long (laughs) for our board. Cause we have like this letter board. It's like individual letters. And so Laura will be like too long next. (laughs) But what's like your go-to? Um, I don't know. I have so many. Yeah. The one we have in our house right now is just enjoy today, which I like just going and like seeing that um, right when I like wake up every morning because it's just a reminder that like, and this is kind of sad and deep, but like you literally don't know what could happen tomorrow. Yeah. When I, I was like thinking about this so much when Kobe Bryant died, like I was like, damn, like even people like that who seem untouchable, like y- your tomorrow is never promised. So enjoy today (laughs) there was this crazy quote i saw i will need to find it like about when that happened because it was like i feel like such like a moment that just shook everything because it really put everything into perspective Mm -hmm. it was like holy shit yeah i don't know but yeah no definitely yeah so i don't know i have so many mantras but (laughs) you do i'm just gonna say enjoy the journey is gonna be my go-to yeah i love it what do you love most about yourself um i think I like most or love most about myself, um, my ability to empathize and my drive to make a big impact on the world. Um, Yeah. Um, For me, definitely my generosity. So like 
whenever anyone needs anything I have no problem like lending out things or whatever like being there for people and that's not even just in terms of like giving money but like whatever giving time time or like driving somewhere if I mean I don't have a car now but like if I did if someone needed me like going to whatever a different city or something yeah no that's great those are both and I feel like those are both really great qualities in what you're doing like yeah definitely and last but not least how do you find solace in the city um you want to go first if you don't have yours (laughs) um so I think I find solace in the city through my support system and I am super grateful to have a really good support system like not only Laura do I have as like a super close friend but Anna and then we have like four other friends that all um, are just super honest and authentic and will show up for you whenever you need it so I think that having that support system really helps me. Um, and I know that if I needed anything, I could ask one of my close friends. So, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. Especially in a crazy city like New York. You need yeah. people to keep you grounded. Definitely. Agreed. And, yeah, similar to Liz, too, definitely just surrounding myself with people that, like, I know I can trust. So, like, my roommates. Um, like I said before, I was living with strangers and like the amount of stress and like loneliness I felt versus like when I live with Liz and Anna is just completely different. And then also like for my boyfriend too, it just like removes me from like the stress of my work. And that's really important. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. This was so great. This is my first double interview. <laughs> Thanks so for having cool. us. Yeah. Where can all my listeners follow you guys, uh, listen to your podcast? I'll probably be on Spotify and Apple podcasts and yeah. If it's through Anchor, plug Anchor. Cause. Yeah, so my Instagram is at Nutrition with Laura. Um, and then I have two Instagrams. Plug <laughs> um, them both. One of them is <laughs> private. <laughs> um, so my nutrition Instagram is at Holiz, L-I-Z, Holiz, tick, um, underscore health. And then my just normal everyday Instagram is Elizabeth Gunner. Cool. And then your podcast is... Um, our podcast is The Real Dietitians of New York City. Cool. Yeah. On Instagram? Oh, oh yeah. yes. On yeah, Instagram, yeah. it's that as cool. well. Yeah. So Sweet. Keeping everything the same. We're trying to. <laughs> well, awesome. I can't wait to listen. And you guys should all listen, too, when um, you're done with this episode. And yeah. check it out. Definitely. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, guys. Welcome to my third solo. Um. To be honest, at this point, I've just really liked having these solos to speak my own thoughts into existence. And if, you know, if these aren't your cup of tea, you can just stop listening. <laughs> but I find it really therapeutic, so I just thought I would speak my thoughts. Um, specifically, I mean, I recorded that episode with Liz and Laura like a couple of months ago, maybe, like a while back. We're still social distancing. Um, but you know, with now with the coronavirus and COVID taking over everyone's lives, I thought, I don't know, there's a whole lot that can be added that we didn't talk about because we didn't know there was going to be a pandemic in a month. Um, and it's something I've been thinking about. And then Eleni actually forwarded me this article from Buzzfeed news that I'll reference a couple of times. Um, but basically what I've been thinking about and what this article talks about is how devastating and like almost it's 
this um, coronavirus outbreak has kind of been like a nightmare for people with eating disorders or with unhealthy relationships with food um, for a number of reasons. And I just thought I would bring attention to it because it's not something that's publicized in the media. Rather, the what's being spread in the media and talked about is pretty triggering to people who do have that unhealthy relationship. So, for example, um, a lot of what I've experienced, and I think a lot of people who do have that unhealthy relationship with food, um, it just it occupies our minds way too much, just food in general. And so when there's, you know, constant things on the news about like restaurants closing and stocking up on all this food and all of that stuff, like that's a lot to be put onto our minds when we don't have anything else to think about. So, you know, like isolation is the devil's best friend or (laughs) idleness is the devil's best friend, whatever that quote is, that's like very hits home for me because when there's nothing else to think about um, and you're just being shown pictures of empty like supermarkets and told to stock up on your pastas and things like that, it's like a lot to carry. And also, you know, as I've talked about in this episode and my one with Ramsey, like my own, um, my own eating disorder stems from my anxiety and my will, like my need to control something when things in my life are so out of my control. And if there's ever a time that I felt out of control, it's right now when there's literally nothing we can do except just stay sedentary. So it's been, it has been hard uh, or it has been hard. And luckily I don't think it's been as hard as it would have been a couple of months ago. So I'm very, very grateful for that. But um, for anyone else who's, you know, having a rough time right now, I'd recommend just like staying away from like the news and also just, there's a lot of people who've been, I mean, the number of at-home workouts I've seen on my Instagram feed is just like (laughs) annoying. Um, So that's another thing that can be kind of triggering. And I would just, if anyone wants to talk about that or has been feeling similar, please reach out to me because not that I have all the answers. I mean, I'm still, you know, going through my own shit, but I think it's helpful to talk about something like something that's not really, not really talked about as much as it should be. Okay, on a completely other note, I just finished this incredible book by Chanel Miller um, called Know My Name. And basically, she's the woman who um, was assaulted by Brock Turner in the Stanford rape case back in like 2015. And it is the most incredible book. Like, she's an unbelievable writer, so smart, just such a beautiful person. Um, if, you know, if those, if that book, would be triggering to you I would not recommend reading it but if you just want to read a beautifully written book that's really powerful definitely 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 recommend and um there's actually a lot there's a line in it that I mean it doesn't it wasn't written in to be in line with um the outbreak of a virus but I thought it was really beautiful and I'm gonna quote it, it says quote Allow that you are at this moment not in the wrong place in your life. Consider the possibility that there have been no errors in the game. Just consider it. Consider that there is not an error and everything that's come down on your plate is the way it is and here we are. I don't believe that this was our fate. 
but I do believe that here we are is all we have, end quote. Um, so, I mean, this can be, I think, applied to a lot of things. <laughs> and whether it be just like a challenge you're going through um, in your life personally or whether it be about this pandemic, like, I think that whole notion of just here we are is like, okay, what are we going to do with it? And it kind of touches on my point of that question I ask at the end of every episode, like, do you believe everything happens for a reason? And I've been thinking about that a lot recently because of um, the coronavirus outbreak and not to like trivialize anyone who's, you know, personally suffered from COVID or is, you know, tested positive or anything like that. But in a way, I feel like this whole, I think like our country and our world needed something like this. Again, not to trivialize like the fact that it's dangerous and it's bad, but um, I don't know. I feel like there's just so much divisiveness in our world and our politics and, you know, just so much just happening and there needed to be something that just brought out the best in people and caused everyone to take a breath, slow down, be with their families and just share love. Um, it sounds cheesy when I say that out loud now, but I mean, if you think about this virus, like it, it doesn't discriminate against like race, gender, um, religion, country of origin. Like it doesn't discriminate against everyone, anything, anyone can get it. And just I think our responses really show who we are as people and I've seen a lot of beautiful things coming out of it so again and not to say that (laughs) I want to be quarantined in my tiny apartment for long but I do think that if you look at it from a different angle it is bringing people together and that's beautiful um So yeah, that's all I have to say. Stay safe, everyone. Stay inside and talk to you later. Bye.